Amen. I'm glad to be here tonight. Good crowd. Good crowd. I don't want to sound surprised, but I'm surprised. <laughs> Typically, at least my experience has been, if you're going to have a lower night in revival meeting, it's Tuesday night. But wow, y'all are here, and I'm glad about that. Tomorrow night's our last night, so I hope that you'll make plans to be here for that one. I'll do my best to make it worth your while. Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9, you know, there are some sermons that don't apply to everybody. Mother's Day usually is directed to the moms or uh, uh, maybe encouraging the husbands to love their wives. Uh, That doesn't necessarily fit everybody. Sometimes there are sermons about how to raise your children, and those are necessary and helpful, but they don't do a whole lot of good if you don't have any children. But the message I'm preaching tonight is one that applies to every single one of us. It's a danger. It's a real danger. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves gripped by this problem. Our text, the book of Exodus, by the time you get to chapter 9, you're in the middle of God dealing with Pharaoh. If you go back to chapter number 5, the Lord told Moses, He said, I want you to go into Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And so Moses goes in and he says, Pharaoh, I have a message from God. He says, let my people go. Now Israel had been in Egypt for about 400 years. They were slaves. They were in bondage. In fact, Pharaoh had used them and their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers to build treasure cities. And so when Pharaoh heard this news, he said, yeah, right. I'm not giving up my slaves. I don't even know your God, and I absolutely don't care what your God says. And so Moses comes back to the Lord, and he says, Lord, he, he, he said he doesn't care. And God said, well, don't worry, I'll get his attention. By the way, if there's something that God wants you to do and you're not willing to do it, mark my words, he will get your attention. And so God sent ten plagues. You know the story. The first plague, all the water in Egypt is turned into blood. Now if you think about it, that's a fairly gross plague. Imagine all the water that you had today if it was blood, when you brushed your teeth, when you took your shower, if you're old like us and had oatmeal. I do not like oatmeal. I went to the doctor one time, which was a mistake, and he told me my cholesterol was high. You know anybody who ever went to the doctor And he said, oh, you need to eat more fat. Your cholesterol is way too low. Never heard of that. So Karen gets this idea, if I eat oatmeal, it's going to lower my cholesterol, right? So so I uh, ate oatmeal. I don't like oatmeal. And so I was going to teach her a lesson. I didn't put milk on it. I didn't put sugar on it. I just ate it plain, and I let it get cold, so it was like wallpaper paste. 
If it's medicine, it's going to taste like medicine. It was nasty. Well, we're in a revival meeting, and uh, we got invited to a home after the service, and the, the host was a medical doctor who actually, his specialty was, was the heart. And so I asked him, I said, uh, Karen makes me eat oatmeal every day because she thinks it lowers my cholesterol. Does it? And he said... You're going to want to write this down, fellas. He said, eating oatmeal has all the nutritional value of eating a paper plate. He said, there's no food in the world that lowers your cholesterol. Oatmeal keeps you from eating ham and eggs and bacon, which raise your cholesterol. And so I said, it's not lowering my cholesterol. He said, no, I gave up oatmeal for Lent and have never gone back. Yeah. You say, how's your cholesterol? I don't know. I didn't go back to that doctor. Okay. So the, fir- the, the water, all the water in Egypt is blood. And Pharaoh said, man, this is gross. This is horrible, but still, I am not letting the people go. And so God sent another plague. This one's my favorite. All the land of Egypt was covered with frogs. Not just a few frogs. The Bible says the land was covered. They were were even in the houses, in the ovens, and in the kneading troughs. Uh, I have an idea how the frogs came. They probably came at night. Pharaoh is sound asleep. He wakes up. He has to go to the bathroom. He throws the covers off. He steps out of bed and goes... And he's thinking, wow. It's like somebody left a jelly donut on the floor or something. He takes another step. Well, something is obviously wrong. He's got frog guts between his toes, but doesn't know what it is. So, he, you know, he doesn't have a cell phone with a flashlight. He's got to go light a candle. Oh, that was a big one. He, he lights a candle. He looks around, and the whole place, you ready for it, is hopping with frogs. All right, I won't do that anymore. Frogs! There were so many frogs that when the plague was over, it took them three days to pile them up. They stunk horribly. But Pharaoh says, it doesn't matter. I am not letting the people go. And so God sent the third plague. The land, the animals, the people were covered with lice. That would affect some of us more than others, obviously. But there's lice. Lice is nasty, lice is gross, and Pharaoh once again says, no, I'm not letting them go. And so God sends swarms and swarms and swarms of flies, nasty flies, horrible flies. And Pharaoh said, forget it, I'm not letting them go. And so God caused all the cattle in Egypt to get sick, and and, uh, uh Pharaoh came and he checked the cattle and he thought, boy, this is terrible. I guess I'll have to eat more chicken, but I'm not letting the people go. And the sixth plague, Pharaoh and all the other Egyptians, their bodies are covered with sore boils. Horrible boils. 
And again, Pharaoh said, no, I am not going to let them go. And so we come to our text in Exodus 9. God sent hail mixed with fire that when it landed, it burned up the crops, or at least some of the crops of the people of Egypt. Let's read Pharaoh's response. If you're able to stand, stand with me, please. I want to begin reading in chapter 9, verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. His attitude's different. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord. For it's enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said unto him, As soon as I'm gone out of the city, I'll spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder, and, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bold. But the wheat and rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord. And the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart. He and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Father, I ask you to bless the message tonight. I pray that we would learn from the example of Pharaoh, and God, we might not be guilty of having a hardened heart. Lord, we, we thank you, and we pray that you would use this message to challenge us in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. The same sun, the sun up in the sky, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. The very same sun that causes the wax to become soft and pliable causes the clay to become hardened and impenetrable. There's a great danger that you and I face, and that is our heart becoming hardened. As the Word of God is preached, as we hear the Bible, it either softens us and makes us more tender to the things of God, or like Pharaoh, it makes our hearts harder and harder and harder. What causes a hard heart? How does it happen? Well, in Pharaoh's instance, it was simple disobedience. God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. No. In fact, seven times he said, no, 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 no. Seven times Pharaoh told God no. And then the Bible says his heart 
was hardened. He disobeyed God. How many times have you said, you know, I, I know I ought to read my Bible, but I'm kind of tired tonight. I'll catch up. I really ought to go to church today, but I've had a lot going on, and I think I'll just stay home and rest. Yeah, I, I, I recognize that I need to get control over my temper, but, you know, my whole family has trouble with their temper. And so we say to God, no, 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 and our heart becomes hardened. God called me to preach when I was 17. I went off to college, and when I graduated college, I, I, I knew that I didn't know enough to pastor. In fact, I don't think I know enough yet, but uh, I'm there anyway. I, I, I didn't get to grow up in church, and so I, I, I wanted to go on staff at a church and learn from the pastor, learn about the ministry. But I wasn't married at the time, so uh, it, it was difficult to find a, a position to, to uh, get on staff at a church. In the meantime, I had to pay my bills, so I thought i got to get a job. There was a, a, an apartment complex that was going up not far from where I lived, and so I went to talk to the job foreman, and I, and I said, are you hiring? And he said, well, what, what, what can you do? I said, well, I can do about anything, but I want the worst job that you have. He looked at me, and I said, I, I said God's called me to preach, and one of these days, the door is going to open for me to be able to go and preach. And I don't want to have a job that I love and I won't do it. So give me a job that I hate that will be easy to quit. I said, I want the job nobody else will do. I want the worst job you have on this job site. He said, I have just the job for you. They were building apartment buildings, three or four stories, I don't remember. But in between the apartment buildings, they, they, they had... Uh, breezeways, concrete walks, but the tractor wouldn't fit between the buildings, and so you had to level the breezeways with gravel so that they could uh, uh, pour the concrete, and so the front end loader would bring a big pile of gravel, and I had a shovel and a wheelbarrow. I would fill that wheelbarrow with gravel, take it into the breezeway, dump it, smooth it out, come back, Eight hours a day, I shovel gravel. I mean, that first day, I'm thinking, wow, he's right. I do hate this job. <laughs> I'm shoveling gravel. And I'd wheel the wheelbarrow in, I'd dump it out, and I'd level it out. And I noticed, after a couple of hours, my hands are getting sore. I'm getting little red spots all over my hand from the shovel. Blisters. Well, there's a mountain of gravel and a hundred more breezeways. So I had to keep shoveling. These blisters filled with fluid and then they popped. And they hurt. And at lunchtime, because I'm fairly bright, I thought, I'm going to buy gloves. And I drove to the convenience store. They didn't have any gloves, but they had a uh, box of Band-Aids. So I bought a couple of boxes of Band-Aids and put them on all those sores on my hand and went back to work. But it was hot, my hands were sweaty, and it took about 10 minutes to go through all of my Band-Aids. By the end of the day, my hands were covered in blisters. 
they hurt so bad. I went out that night, got a good pair of gloves, and the next day my hands were very sore, but I could shovel. And my hands got better, and I kept shoveling, and I didn't need the gloves all the time because it was so hot, and I shoveled, and I noticed that what was blisters are now, they're getting hard. In fact, the more I shoveled, I was, I was getting calluses. And after about a month, I didn't even need gloves. I, I could shovel all day long, and, and those calluses just began to build up and up. I, I had to peel the calluses off. My hands, I mean, I had hands like Superman. You could take a nail and, and it wouldn't even hurt. My hands were solid callus. In fact, they're still pretty tough to this day. Just what happened to my hands is what happens to our hearts. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, grips your heart, and immediately you're under conviction and bothers you, it troubles you. And like that blister, it's a sore spot. But if you just let it go, Pretty soon, what he was preaching about, it doesn't bother you anymore. In fact, you get a little callous to it and a little hardened to it. And before long, what used to bother you doesn't bother you at all. Your heart got hardened. Do you ever wonder how people who used to be in church, if you've been here or any other church any length of time, You've known people that were involved and active and faithful and serving God and doing right and something happened and in a little while they quit being as faithful and pretty soon they're just gone. And I don't mean gone to another church. I mean they quit serving God. How's that happen? Another layer and another layer and another layer until what used to bother you doesn't bother you at all. We had a fellow in our church. He had grown up in our church. Mom and dad faithful, brothers and sisters faithful. And he was faithful till he got married. And when he got married, they became very sporadic. And I went to visit him and I, I said, you guys need to get in church. You're a young couple. You need the help from what you can get from church. And he goes, I know, I know, I know, I know. But they didn't come back, and they didn't come back, and they didn't come back. And I kept after them. In fact, about two years of not coming to church, I went to his house, and I said, I said, I'm not here to invite you to church. You know you ought to come, and I'm not going to waste my time or waste your time. I said, I'm here today on research. I want to know, how does somebody who grows up in church, is doing right, how do they just give up on God? He said, well, at first, when we missed church, it really bothered me. And so I tried not to think about it. And the more that I missed, the less it bothered me, and now I never think about it. What a perfect illustration. Another layer and another layer, and another layer, 
and another layer. You see, when, when that callousing process is going on, you, 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 it, it bothers you, but you take it out on others. You, you, you blame God. Lord, you've not been fair to me. If you really loved me, if you really cared about my family, this wouldn't have happened. I would have got this promotion. Lord, and, and you blame God. And when somebody says to you, you know, I've been praying for you, rather than being grateful that somebody cares enough about you to pray for you, you take offense. These people, they're always judging me. I don't know why these church folks are always on my case. And you get bitter towards the things of God and the people of God. And in your own mind, you justify it. You say, ah, they're, they're just a bunch of holier-than-thou hypocrites. What happened? Another layer, and another layer, and another layer. Until you get to the place where you don't even realize that you had a problem. Lady in our church. She came to me and she, I had just taken the church. And she said, uh, she said, Preacher, my son claims to be saved, but I don't know if he is or not. He's in jail and next week he's got his trial and he's probably going to prison for selling drugs. She said, would you go talk to him? I said, sure I will. And so I drive, it's a couple of hours to where they were holding him and I said who I was and who I wanted to visit. And the place where you visited the prisoners was about the size of a small closet. They had a little desk with a chair here and a chair here. And I went in and sat down. And then they brought him in. And I said, Troy, my name's Hal Hightower. And uh, I started to introduce myself. He goes, I know who you are. My mom's always sending somebody to preach to me. I'm not really here to preach to you. Your mom is concerned about your salvation. And he says, hey, this is my free time. You're taking my free time. You mind if I smoke? And I said, well, you know, it's a pretty little room. I'm, an, I'm allergic to smoke because every time I get around it, it makes me stink. <laughs> I said, uh, I said, I'd prefer you didn't. He said, well, it's my free time. I'm going to smoke anyway. So he lights up. and You know, pretty soon it's like London in the morning. You can't see anything. I can barely breathe. I said, so Troy, have you ever been saved? Yeah, yeah, I was in Bible school. I went forward and they led me through the plan of salvation. I prayed. I got saved. I said, so you're positive you're on your way to heaven. Yeah, I said I was. I'm saved. I said, well, you know. That's between you and God, and I'm certainly not going to tell you you're not saved, but let me ask you this. If you are saved, are you right now completely, absolutely, and thoroughly right with God? And he says, that's a good question. Let me think about it. Yeah, I'd have to say I am. Yes, I am. The guy's going to prison. He's been out of the will of God for years, but in his mind, and he's completely 
sincere. He thought he was right with God. You know what happens? We start to use our own intellect, our own set of values to determine how we're doing spiritually. Look, I'm not your authority. You're not your authority. The Word of God is your authority. And you're right with God if you're right according to the Bible. You're right with God if you are doing what God says to do and not doing what God says not to do. But you get your heart hardened and God's not even in the equation. Oh, he's still a a, a present help. If you get in trouble, God help me out of this mess. But there's no relationship any longer. Your heart's become hardened. Seven times Pharaoh told God, no, 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 no. And now his heart is hardened. And you know what's tragic about this? Look at that verse, I forget the number, verse 34. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were seized, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart. Get this, he and his servants. Did you know that a hard heart is contagious? Dad, you get a little sideways with God, lay a few layers of callus over your heart, pretty soon you're going to find out that it's affected your wife. You're going to find out that it's affected your children. Preacher one time went to visit a fellow who had been out of church for a while. And a man invited him in, and while pastor talked with the man, his little boy's on the floor playing around. And uh, uh, the preacher's pleading with him to get right with God. The guy's satisfied with his life. And the preacher got up and left, and after he was gone, the little boy climbed up into his dad's lap and gave him a hug, and he said, Daddy, we don't want to be no Christian, do we? What happened? Layer after layer after layer until it becomes contagious to all those around you. How many times have you seen people get away from the Lord and it affected their spouse, it affected their children? How many times have you seen young people, one gets away from God and it starts to affect others and others and others? The very same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Some people sit under the preaching of the Word of God and they become so tender and submissive. They say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, God, I surrender all. And others say, who does he think he is? Why does he think he can tell me how to live? He's not God. Layer after layer after layer until you you don't even recognize it. So what's what's the secret? How How do you peel those calluses off? How do you keep that heart soft and pliable and tender? When our boy, our grandsons were real little, I think maybe 
three and four or four and five. They were at our house for Christmas and uh, their dad and I were talking. The ladies were doing whatever it is ladies do. And, and the boys are in the back bedroom playing. All of a sudden you hear the little one just let out a wail. Comes running out. His dad said, Kyle, what's the matter? He goes, Tyler, hit me. Jeremiah goes, Tyler, come out here. Here comes Tyler, the older brother. I love watching little kids when they're in trouble. He knows the rules. You don't hit your brother. And especially at grandma and grandpa's house because you got instructions on the way over. You behave. And so he comes out. And he's standing in front of his dad. And he says, Tyler, did you hit your brother? <laughs> Tyler, I ask you a question. Did you hit your brother? <laughs> and he said, Tyler, answer my question. Did you hit your brother? And he looks his dad in the eye and he goes, yes, sir. Are you supposed to hit your brother? <laughs> Tyler, I'm not going to ask you again. Are you supposed to hit your brother? No, sir. All right, go back in the bedroom, and if you hit your brother again, you're going to get a spanking. You understand me? Yes, sir. Kyle, come here. Kyle's upset because his brother didn't get a spanking. <laughs> Comes over. Kyle, are you supposed to be a whiny baby? No. <laughs> Kyle, look at me and answer my question. Are you supposed to be a whiny baby? No, sir. All right, go in the bedroom and play, and if you're a whiny baby again, you're going to get a spanking. While, he, while he's dealing with his boys, I thought, this is good. I wish he'd have learned it from me. This is good. In order to make sure that he has his boy's attention, they have to look at him and say, yes, sir. And I thought, what if every time God spoke to my heart, I just stopped and I said, yes, sir. What if every time the Holy Spirit convicted me because I'm not the Christian or the husband or the father or the pastor that I'm supposed to be? What if every time I just stepped out of line a little bit and God said, hey, hey, are, are you doing what you're supposed to? If I just stopped. He said, yes, sir. No, sir. You know what would happen? Those layers would come peeling off. You want to know how to keep a soft and tender heart? Every time God speaks, respond. Every time. That means every time you're in a church service and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and it's invitation time. I understand there's nothing spiritual or mystical or magical about walking an aisle, but there is something about humbling yourself. Humbling yourself before the people you love and before God himself and coming down and saying, Lord, I've sinned. Forgive me. Help me to do what's right. Every time God speaks, we simply say, yes, sir, I will obey. 
your heart will stay soft and tender, and you'll not have to worry about developing a hard heart. We won't go on with the sermon tonight, but by the time Pharaoh gets to the tenth plague, his heart is so hardened that he's willing to die before he'll get right. He's willing to die before he obeys God. Well, I'd never be like that. You will if you just keep piling layer after layer on that heart. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Yes, sir. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight for conviction. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. I thank you for the privilege of getting right and being right and staying right. Lord, I, I doubt that there's one person in this room that wants a hard heart. I doubt that anybody in here tonight wants to disobey you and do wrong. God, there are probably lots of us who've done our own thing and gone our own way. So I pray tonight you'd help us. I pray that we, now that you've got our attention, I pray that we would say, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. With your eyes closed tonight, how many of you say, you know, Brother Hal, I needed that message. I don't mean to be rebellious. I don't want to be disobedient. But there are times that when God speaks to my heart, I just don't do anything about it. Times that I just push it to the side. And tonight, God's dealt with me and I want you to pray for me that I would keep a soft and tender and submissive heart. That's my desire. I, I, I may even have some layers of callus that I need to peel off tonight. I, I, I needed that message. God spoke to me. Would you pray for me? If you'd let me do that, raise your hand. Hold it up real high. Yeah, lots and lots of us. I appreciate your honesty. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Let's stand. Friend, if you're not saved tonight, you can get saved. If there are decisions you need to make other than what I preach, pastor's available, but tonight the altar is for every single person who'll just come and say, Lord, I want a soft and a tender heart. Help me to say, yes, sir. Father, bless the invitation. I pray every single person who should come would come. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays, you come quickly. Don't wait at all. affections been nailed to the cross is thy heart right